Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, we're celebrating one year of our Franklin Outpost meeting for worship services, community outreach, and sharing God's love in Franklin, New Hampshire. Luke Miller, who has served as a coordinator for multiple outposts, has stepped into a new role as Franklin's outpost pastor. High five, Luke, and high five, Franklin, to what God will continue to do as we pray for one. In at number four, our Concord Outpost held a craft day for the kids this past week, and over 25 kids showed up to share in the fun. These times are so special. High five, Concord, to more times like this. Here at number three, One Church is partnering with women's health centers and sharing God's love with individuals and families facing unplanned pregnancy. From baby supplies to parenting classes, the need for these expecting parents and children is great, and we have this opportunity to make a difference. So grab a baby bottle at your outpost, fill it with coins, cash, or a check, and return them to your outpost by Sunday, May 21st. High five to sharing God's love like this. Up at number two, we're celebrating the many baptisms that took place at our Bedford outpost this past weekend. Joseph, Dakota, and Savannah, this kingdom-sized high five goes out to each of you. We're so excited to see how God will continue to move in your lives. And finally, up at number one, our friends at Concord Christian Academy set off on their senior trip to the Outer Banks last week. While there, one of the boys, Levi, explained to our outpost pastor who was chaperoning the trip that ever since Easter services, he's felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to be baptized. He proclaimed that he had given his life to Jesus and was ready to take this next step in following him. So right there on the beach, Levi was baptized. High five, Levi, to taking bold steps in proclaiming the work of Jesus Christ in your life. We're all celebrating you today. Thanks for joining us for our high five, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. So I, I always check out the high five as I'm planning for the sermon just because I love to know what I'm preaching out of. And I saw that picture. I was like, oh, I need a new headshot. That's before the mustache. And maybe it was like, eh, it's probably better that way. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Community. We're talking about community today. We're going through this series, City on a Hill. We're talking about these core practices that we have here at One Church. And I think it's just so exciting that we're hitting that series right now in this time, celebrating a year of being in this city, because it's just a, an opportunity to kind of take stock and just see, yeah, this is what we believe. This is what we do. This is our, these are our practices to reach the most people in the shortest time. And community is so important. The community that we have here as a body of believers, the church, and remember when I say church, I don't mean buildings, I mean us, the, the people of God, going out into the community here in Franklin and making a difference. A community, a city that, you know, to spend in the past year here, you walk around and you're connecting to people and there's this, there's a desire for, for something more. There's something under the surface that's happening. I really, truly believe that God is moving in amazing ways here in this city. You see it even more as, as the weather's getting warmer, everyone going out and connecting to people. Like the town of Franklin, the last city in America to have a class day parade. Like that's fantastic. And, and you think when we went last year, we're like, oh, who goes to this thing? Turns out everybody, everybody shows up to the class day parade. There's this community here that we're just so blessed to be a part of, that I'm 
extremely humbled to be a part of. So today we're looking through this and, and we're talking about community and how community combats loneliness. And loneliness, I, I think it's, it's no shocker, is something that really plagues us as people. Just this past week, the Surgeon General released uh, this, this study and there's articles on it with different news sources, you can probably find it, of that we're in this epidemic of loneliness. And you might be thinking, yeah, well, Luke, there's been a couple of things that have happened in the past few years. Like they started, but the thing is they started this study back in 2019 and it says that one out of every two adults, just adults, we're not talking students, we're not talking kids, we're not talking high school, whatever it might be, just adults, one in, out of, one in two say that they experience loneliness, 50%. And I just want to lay a couple things out when it comes to loneliness. You know, loneliness is, is the first, it existed even before sin. And we can sometimes have this, this issue where we think like, oh, that loneliness is a sin, but it's not a sin. Loneliness existed before sin. You know, God created Adam, and he saw that he was alone. He's like, hey, this isn't the way that it should be. We're not meant to be alone. But the thing is that with a lot of problems that are facing us, with hunger, with different medical problems that people face, with all these different things that we might get frustrated in of like, God, what, what can I do in the midst of all this heartache, in the midst of all this turmoil? Loneliness is actually something that, that we are prepared to, to do, something that we are completely equipped to tackle together as a body of believers. So God made a way. He, he knew that Adam wasn't meant to be alone, and then there's Eve, and some of you are sitting like, yeah, well, that's just family, Luke, and uh, my family doesn't often make me feel the best, <laughs> maybe at times. But the thing is that this family that we are invited into with the family of God, it's so much more, it's so much greater. All these brothers and sisters, these fellow believers in Christ that have this shared unity, this common union, with God the Father, all rooted in the love of the Father, all rooted within the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics of God that we get to be a part of. So we're in this series of city on a hill, and there's that image up there, uh, maybe behind me, that had that cityscape there with all the lights happening around there. And, and the goal is that we're getting more people into this family. So there's going to be more lights that are there. And the light, the city is going to shine brighter and brighter. And in our memory verse, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it reminds us of the city. It's up on the screen behind me if you want to read it along so we can hear the word of the Lord coming through our mouth. So it says this. Yes, here we are. Oh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Let me know if it's up there. Everyone, can you help me out and give me a thumbs up when it's behind me so I'm not just constantly staring and looking thumbs down? Thank you, Laura. That is, that is actually very helpful. <laughs> but maybe it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. So maybe we can test it out here, see if we know it. It says, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be heaven. Now we take it away. <laughs> you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. That city cannot be hidden. The more lights that are shining there, the bigger and bigger that this community is growing, people are, are not gonna be able to avoid that light. They're gonna see that light and they're gonna ask, man, is that light for me? Is that community for me? Is this something that I can take part in? 
because they see that this family is welcoming, this community, we live differently. And we want more people to connect to, to God and be part of this city. That's why at One Church, we pray for one. We have this communal prayer that we ask everyone that's connected to One Church to pray every day. It's, God, please give me one person to share your love with. Can we pray that together this afternoon in this beautiful place? God, please give me one person to share your love with. What's great about this prayer is it's, a, it's not a prayer that we just sit back and become spectators. It's a, it's a call to action. As we're praying for one and we want our God to give us more people to share his love with, what we're doing is we're looking to God more and more. Like, well, first of all, what does it mean, God, to share your love? Because I don't want to just share my love. My love's going to run out. God, I want to share your love. So we're going to find out more about God. We're going to pursue godliness more and more, pursue his character, who God is seeing that he is for us and not against us. And as we're, we're diving into this and connecting to God, we're going to realize, oh man, this, this, I, I just can't keep this to myself. It's going to boil over. And then we're connecting to people. Connecting to people because God loves people. So God, I love you and, and you love people. So if A equals B here, then God, let me love people. Help me to love people and, and to connect to people. And the more that that happens, more people that we're getting introduced to the love of the Father because we're saying, hey, I got this great thing here that, that I'm connecting to God. Come alongside, let's do this together. What's gonna happen is that the mission of God is being fulfilled as well. Seeking and saving the lost. Going out, making disciples of all nations, baptizing people into this family of God as well. As we pray for one, we connect to God we connect to people, and we connect to the mission of God. That's what's so beautiful about this conversation of community. We're living out that mission, bringing more people in, opening up the doors and saying, come on in. There's something for you here. We are for you, not against you, because God is for you, not against you. So we look about community and sort of look through, you know, the who's, the what where, when, how, and why. We talk about who is community for. Well, hold on, I got a list here of who's allowed to be in community. Uh, yeah, it's everybody. It's everyone's allowed to be in community. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, community is for you. And there's this one little word that we might feel like it, it keeps us from that, and that's the word shame. Maybe we, we felt shame from our past and we think, oh, but these people, I don't want them to know this real me. I don't want them to know what I've gone through. I don't want them to know this about me. And so shame keeps us away because they think that there's no way that anyone can love me past this. But what combats shame is assurance and acceptance. Assurance that we have in, in God the Father and his love that this community is, is based on his love and then this acceptance that's kind of on us as believers, like, yeah, we're, we're bringing people in because God's truly for everyone. We're not withholding anything. So shame doesn't have a place in community. Talk about the what. Community allows us for our needs to be met and for us to meet other people's needs. Like, I think we can agree it's a relief when our needs are, are met by others, but then there's a joy when we're able to fulfill and and meet the needs of others. It's also a place for us to sort of 
let our guard down, which is terrifying. Because we've built up this sort of uh, facade of what we like people to think about us. We have this sort of pane of glass that we want people to see us through. And like, this is the life that we have. And this is the way people think of me. Good, this is the way I like it. But doesn't that sound kind of like, it sounds tiring. You get just tired of it more and more, just always needing to have this, this image control, this way that we see ourselves. But in community, we're able to let that down and be honest with one another. Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Hey, this is what I don't understand. Hey, my family's going through this. My friend's going through this. I'm having a tough time. Talk about it. That's what community is. Where can community happen? It's in homes. It's here in the outposts, it's online, but also it's just kind of wherever people are meeting. It's in restaurants. It's on the fishing boat. It's on the, the wooded paths. It's at the, the, the car shop. It's at wherever you are where people are meeting together. That's where community can happen. Community can happen on the when. It's right now. And we kind of wait. It goes back to that, maybe that conversation of shame we want to get things in line before we step into community because we want to be perfect and maybe present ourselves as perfect. But good thing that salvation doesn't work like that. No, it's right now. Jesus meets you where you're at. And in that community, we get to meet each other where we're at as well and lift one another up. At one church, the community happens through our, our different groups. Uh, with Rooted, we just celebrated our first Rooted group here in Franklin at our celebration. Yeah, big shout out there. It was a ton of fun. And there's more groups to come. It can also happen when we're meeting together. This is community, coming together and worshiping God, glorifying him. It can happen with volunteer teams, with the welcome team, with kids, with, a, with the production, with worship, whatever it is. But then also I think community happens just through inviting people along. Like, hey, I got, this, I, got a, I got this baseball game. I got these tickets. You want to come with me? Hey, I'm going fishing. Do you want to go with me? Hey, I got this thing happening. Do you want to join along? And just invite people along to community because wherever we're gathered, that's where community happens. And why do we need this community, this family of God? Because it's how we eradicate loneliness. It's our answer to the problem of loneliness that we and do something about. Community connects us to other people, but when we're talking about pray for one, community connects us to God because we are, we are God's family. Community connects us to God. We are God's family. We're in Acts chapter 2 today, and sort of this moment of the early church is just being set up, and it's this moment of like, well, now what? Like, we just went through all this crazy stuff with Jesus and his ministry. He was healing people. He was doing all these miracles. Jesus was put to death and then raised again to life. And he's there, and he's talking to the disciples, like, listen, I'm going to send an advocate for you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, all right, we're forming the church right here, right now. But they're kind of wondering, well, Jesus is gone, so now what? And so we're in Acts chapter 2, and the, the solution to now what is that they formed the church. They're at this moment of like, all right, we're forming it together. We're figuring this out together. Not quite sure, but we are figuring it out together. So let's see how they work through this. Chapter 2, verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Right before this, Peter just delivered the, the first message of the church. And everyone that was gathered there responded. It says that 3,000 people were added to their numbers. 3,000 people were baptized in this moment where they saw the disciples and they're like, what is going on? And they're saying, hey, it, this is Jesus. They're laying out who Jesus was. He wasn't just some guy. He was the Messiah that came and died on the cross to save you from your sins, to set you free of the bondage of the law. And so people have responded. What's great about that is then all of a sudden, these 3,000 that were added to their numbers, like everyone's new to the church, brand new. There's no hierarchy. Like everybody is new to the church. They have this family all of a sudden, and they're trying to figure out like, okay, how do we go about doing these sort of family devotions? And maybe you, if you're ever in your time where you had these family devotions, like they can be kind of scary. Like, oh, what am I supposed to say? Like, I, do I say the right answer? Do I, do I open up what's going on? I don't have kids, but I spent five summers as a camp counselor in the deep woods of, of Pennsylvania. And I can share that when you're trying to sit down with young kids and share the good news of the gospel, some weird questions come up sometimes. And so I'm there and like one kid's like, Mr. Luke, did Jesus go to the bathroom? And I'm like, oh man. So I'm trying to dive in, all right, uh, fully God, but fully man. So yeah, he went, he's like, because I have to go to the bathroom. And by that, I mean, I, I'm basically actively going to the bathroom. I mean, then I cleaned his bed. So, you know, it can get kind of crazy, but to simplify things a little bit, what does it mean to have these family devotions? The apostles, they, were, they looked at the apostles' teaching, teaching that they learned from Jesus, what it meant to live a life that was pursuing godliness, they focused on fellowship, enjoying one another, enjoying this community that God has brought together, welcoming in the new people that were brought into their numbers and saying, man, this is what God has set up for us to continue his work, the church that he set here. They focused on prayer. With Pray for One, we have this common prayer of faith together. They were filled with awe and they worshiped God exalting God, saying, there you are, God, you are greater than I am, worshiping him together. And they also, it says, they had everything in common, which I don't know if you've been to a family gathering in a while, but do you have everything in common with the people that might be surrounding the table? But they had everything in common. They had this oneness about them, this shared understanding and a lot of people, especially when I started working at the church, they had questions about the name. Like, why'd you pick one church? And it can lead to sort of a who's on first, that old comedy bit. It's like, which church do you work for? I work for one church. I know you work for one church, but which church is that one church? So I'm like, no, I work for one church. I understand that, but which one is one? Like, it can be a mess. But here's why, here's why we're focused on, on one church. We pray for one, have that communal prayer. But then we're also focused on, on the oneness of the church, this common belief of who Jesus is, and then we are one local expression of the church, but then you dive in even with what we're doing with our outposts, like setting up here in Franklin and the many outposts to come and the, the many outposts that we're excited to plant. We're in multiple locations in different cities across New England, but we share these same practices. We share our core beliefs 
there's oneness there that we're drawn together through prayer, through everything that's laid out here, but also through the same love of the Father. Community connects us to God. We are God's family, one together. But community also connects us to people because life is better together. Community connects us to people because life is better together. And you might be hearing that, like, life is better together. Like, uh, I don't know. I like going things alone sometime because relationships are a lot of work. There can be a lot of, a lot of heartache. There can be a lot of a turmoil and, and, and stress and worry. But it's worth it. It's worth it to be able to connect to people in that way and share in this life that can be better together. So to continue on in Acts chapter 2, now in 42, sorry, not 42, now in 45, says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God, and enjoying the favor of all the people. Life is better together because we get to enjoy different things within the family of God. It is better together we get to enjoy sharing. And sharing is a a quality that was sort of drilled into us maybe when we were kids. Like, oh, you got to share with your friends. You got to share with your siblings. My brother, he he always had G.I. Joes growing up, like the little action figures, and he's four years older than me. So his G.I. Joes, like, they were put together. And this also kind of talks about our personality a little bit. You can dive into it. But they were a certain way, and he would let me play with them because he was a good brother. He wanted to share. But every time, without fault, those G.I. Joes would get pulled apart. Little, Little Luke would just sort of have this destruction. But he kept on sharing, kept on going at it, and maybe... There might be some times where we share and we're hurt. There might be times where there's some destruction. But the focus on, on sharing isn't that we get to keep sort of ourselves intact, that everything is going to be perfect all the way through. But the point of sharing is that when sharing stops, that, that family connection is broken. And it's just like my brother kept on sharing. It's because the family connection was still there, still having that relationship with his little brother. We get to enjoy sharing. We get to enjoy people. This might go back a little bit to, oh, like, life is better together. Really? Enjoy people. Luke, have you met some people (laughs) outside of late? It can be tough. There's some work involved. But I thought about it this way. Say you have this friend, and you really like hanging out with this friend. But the problem is that you don't like the friend's kids. They are loud, they are obnoxious, they are always covered in Cheeto dust. Like, on their fingers, everything they touch now has Cheetos on it. And so you say to the friend, like, hey, I I think you and I are really getting along. I think this is a great friendship, would love to pursue it. Like, let's hang out, let's go go for a hike, let's go golfing, let's go fishing, whatever it is. So, love to hang out with you, but I do not like your kids. Can your kids just kind of stay out of it? Can I just have this friendship, but not the kids? be kind of crazy. Like, any parents would be like, no, like, <laughs> package deal. I, my kids come with me. Or, like, I'm, they're part of my life. They're always going to be there. It's the same way that when we sometimes catch ourselves saying, yeah, I love God, but I hate people. Man, I, I, I love God, but I just can't stand people. I, I don't like putting up with X, Y, or Z. Like, those are God's children. We're called to love them as well. 
to enjoy people, to enjoy the children of God. We're better together, we enjoy God. That goes back to sharing. This sort of pool of rejoicing that we get to have together when we share what God's doing in our lives and the lives of our ones and, and in the community as well. It's not just a joy that we get to keep for ourselves, but we get to pass it on to others, sort of rejoicing, having joy again. Then finally, life's better together. We get to enjoy favor, acceptance, finding favor with one another. But the cool thing about you know, the word favor, there's those two different meanings. The one is to sort of, yes, have, have favor in the eyes of someone else, but also we can do a favor for somebody a favor that goes above and beyond, a favor that doesn't expect anything in return, this opportunity to serve one another in a new way that God is calling us into. And finally, community connects us to mission because God wants a big family. We have that favor we get to share, we get to accept. That's connecting to God's mission. God wants a big family. And having a big family, there can be a risk. And even having a family in general, there can be a risk. Starting a relationship that, that gets the family going, there can be a risk. You're putting yourself out there. What if there's rejection? What if there's heartache or heartbreak? Whatever it might be. You're deciding to have a family. Having a kid is a risk. There's a financial risk. There's doctors. There's clothes. There's dentists and dentists and dentists and whatever it might be. It starts getting up. Then you have another one. And then it's even more expensive from there. There's a risk. Then the family grows and grows. And I don't know if you ever caught yourself, like the families of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, it's like there's some judgment involved in there. It's like, oh my goodness, that family keeps on getting bigger. Then there's even a risk of, you know, saying you can't have kids and the steps that, that might be put into place of what, whatever it is with, with medical or with adoption, there's risks there as well. Having a family is a risk. But you see, God wants a big family. His family is never big enough. So he knew the risk and he took the risk. And I even hesitate using that word risk because it wasn't that, it was more of a guarantee. Because Jesus was always gonna win. He was always gonna bring people into his family, because in the, the eyes of God, his family is never big enough. To finish up in chapter two, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. I'm struck by the Lord added to their number daily, the Lord. See, when we pray for one, we're connecting to that mission because it's God's mission to go and get a bigger and bigger and bigger family. So the Lord's going to save them. And we get to step into that beautiful community that he is creating. Get to step into that way of, of who's, who's God highlighting in our lives saying, hey, I want you to share my love with this person because I want that person in my family. Get to look at people differently and enjoy people because... They are God's children. We're called to love them. So the Lord is there. He's, he's going out and he's, he's getting people. And you might find yourselves on, maybe on either side of a, we might think of as a gate or a wall, thinking, man, there's that shame that I, I can't be a part of that community. I'm outside of that gate. That community can't be for me. That light can't be for me. There's no way. But the Lord saves and he adds to his numbers daily those who are being saved.
So to you, I say, if you feel like you're outside of that, outside of this community, know this community is for you and not against you. This community is based in the fruit of the Spirit. There is love, there is joy, there is peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Maybe you heard some of those words and they stood out and like, man, I would love to experience that. I would love to know what it, what it means to just have to be enveloped by, by gentleness, by kindness, by people that truly love me, a love that is rooted in the love, the greatest love of the Father. Family is for you and not against you. And then if you're in the family of God, if you feel like, yes, you're a part of this community, this community that's rooted in the love of the Father, as we should know as we connect to God, we're not just holding on to that. We want to reach more people for God's kingdom in the shortest time. Let's open up those doors, open up our arms, accept people in, because we never know who God is saving to bring into his family. All this was made possible with Jesus' death on the cross that he made a way for us to be a part of that family. And this shared salvation that connects all of us together in this room, that connects us to all of our outposts at one church, that connects us to people that are in completely different time zones, that are believers of Jesus Christ, and are still in that family of God. Jesus came and he died on the cross to save us from our sins. And we remember that sacrifice that guaranteed risk that he took to bring us into his family. It says that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Like this family is for you, that God is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same way he took the cup. He said, this is my new covenant, a promise in my blood, a promise within this family to lift each other up, to do something about that loneliness that we're faced with. So this is my new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me to the king. This is a time of, of the season where us New Englanders, we kind of venture out from inside. And all of a sudden we can be faced with some loneliness. Coming out of that, maybe loneliness that we've been feeling through this season, this season past, and now we're looking ahead to the future. And you're like, oh, I don't want to be lonely anymore. I want to be a part of the community that's open to me this family of believers that God's opening up his arms wide. If you would like prayer through anything to, to have someone come alongside you through something, I'll be down here. Tammy will be here as well. I'd love to pray with you as brothers and sisters in Christ. But if you're feeling all that loneliness and like, what do I do? You want that connection to God, connecting to God fully. You want to be baptized into the family of God saying, I'm putting to death 
that loneliness, being raised again as a member of the family of God. That's all there is. We, we have the baptismal ready to go. We'd love to celebrate that with you together this week. Would you stand with me as I close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful, Lord, that you have given us the power to combat loneliness, to eradicate it completely. Lord, this is a problem that you have equipped your church to go out and to tackle. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that is stuck in that rut of loneliness, that, Lord, you work in their heart and that they can, they reach out and connect with, through prayer, through talking, through conversation, or Lord, maybe today through being baptized into your family. Lord, we thank you so much. It is because of you and the love of the Father, the love of the Son, that we can be in this community together. In your name we pray, amen.
thank you for the gift of the relationships that we get to have with one another because of your love. Thank you for another glimpse, Lord God, into what you envisioned for this city here in this region of Franklin, where more and more will come to know your son and be saved and be used for your glory, because Lord God, you are holy and you are worthy. Thank you for hearing our praise today. Thank you for moving in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday, my friend.